0: Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of
1: the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. This is Sunday Edition with Anthony, a news magazine show featuring human interest, in the spotlight, movers and shakers, and the news and happening that affect all of us in and out of the ACB community. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Sunday Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Corona, and today the show is a little bit different. Uh, Gabriel and myself are going to be away this weekend, so I decided to record early. This is the third show in my series of couples of ACB, and I have some fabulous guests for you today. Uh, First, we're going to start with what I'm calling the summer of marriages. We have Terry and Frank Pacheco. We also have Linda and Rick Swan. And then later in the program, I'm going to introduce you to a couple from BPI, Blind Pride International, Mark and Franco. So let's get started with the summer of marriages. Terry, Frank, Linda, Rick, welcome to Sunday Edition.
2: Thanks. Thank you.
1: So you guys have known each other for a very long time. And from what um, a little Terry Bird told me, y'all got married uh, pretty darn close to each other. So who wants to tell me that story? And if you want to do it round robin and each take a piece, that'd be a lot of fun.
3: We all were involved uh, with the original Bay State affiliate of ACB. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think Frank was our initial introduction to mm-hmm. it back in like 1971. Yeah. And then I started going out with him in early 72 and... He asked me if I wanted to go to one of their meetings. I thought it was an interesting date, but what the heck. Um, (laughs) Chinese restaurant, the Hawaiian, was just down the street from where we always used to go. So I figured, okay, we can do the two. And because he wanted me to meet Charlie Crawford, who was the president and I didn't know him, but I also knew um, several other people in the group that I hadn't seen for a couple of years because we were all busy finishing school and finding jobs and that kind of thing. So that was probably in like February or March of 72. Mm-hmm. And in the summer of 70, of that summer, Chris Devon and Rick got involved. And I don't remember, Linda, did you get involved then? I don't really remember. I you got know. involved because I used to follow Rick wherever he went. oh goodness and so it was a fun year 72 to 73 was kind of everybody was falling in love with everybody and that summer of 73 there were at least seven couples who were getting married and um i know on more than one weekend you had to pick which wedding you were going to go to because there were multiples, and we were in one, we went to another, we had to miss another because of it. Yeah. Um, we missed another one because it was we were on our honeymoon. It was a big year for wedding for weddings in in 73. But there was one couple who got married exactly one week before us. So we are actually the newlyweds of this program. <laughs> Linda, would you like to take over from here? Um, yeah, well, Rick's good at explaining. I'll, I'll let him
2: go with it. <laughs> we, uh, we didn't quite have the uh, whirlwind
4: courtship that Terry and Frank had. Uh, <laughs> we met each other back in grammar school in, the, uh, in the, what they call the sight-saving class, which is for the <laughs> most students where students from the first to sixth grade would all have the same homeroom, and then maybe would we'll go out to other classes for certain classes. Linda <laughs> is about three years older than I am. I won't say any ages, but... Um, <laughs> so we were in the same class for a couple of years then, and then again for a year in middle school in the same kind of situation with a sight-saving class. And then we lost contact, and then there was a, a YMCA group for visually impaired uh, youth uh, set up in uh the next town over from where we live and we met again and I saw Linda there and I said this isn't quite the girky girl I remember from elementary school thank you <laughs> so, <laughs> we started going out in like 1969 and you know of course we got we got mar- like Terry said we got married uh, one week before they did they're still trying to catch us what months
1: yes. Was it that y'all
4: got married so uh,
1: we can send some cards and stuff on anniversaries? <laughs>
4: <laughs> we were August eighteenth and they're August twenty fifth.
1: Wow! So you guys re met up, you started dating, nice long courtship. When did you guys meet, Terry and Frank?
4: Like Terry said, a friend of mine, Chris Devon. He and I we we're, were in college. We we heard about these um, the, the affiliate for the ACB meeting in Boston, and we figured it would actually we, we went originally figuring it was going to be a good way to meet people, a social thing. And Chris and I get into it first. And then one that did start coming, you know, uh, a few weeks later, but that was like, I think 72. I think we met Frank first. And then we, you
3: know, we met Terry a little bit later. Well, because Terry and Frank had, Frank had an apartment not too terribly far, in the next town over from, from Boston out in Brookline. And in those days, Blind Leadership Club met every other Saturday. And usually there was two locations where we ended up with parties after it. One was Frank's apartment and the other one was uh, Phyllis and Marlena's apartment. (laughs) So I think we all just kind of, everybody kind of gravitated there after these meetings, that kind of thing. And it was just, it was a big socialization thing. Like with the Swans, I, had not really been involved. I also went uh, through grammar school and middle school with a sight saving class. And then I switched over like they did to a public high school. So I actually, because the way the setup was where I went to school, it was all pretty people with fairly high, we were all high partials. We had no clue about blindness, other than our teacher, about three times a year, went over to Perkins and came back and told us how wonderful everybody Everything they did over there was the track and the pool and the concerts and all of that. (laughs) And um, so so some of the people that I went to grammar school with, eventually, like for high school, went over to Perkins. I didn't. Uh, Most of us didn't. We heard about the girl side and the boy side.
1: And it was the early 70s. (laughs) Yeah, no.
3: (laughs) It was actually the the mid 60s in those days. This helping became a very socializing thing. And we were doing advocacy at the same time, but we all kind of got involved in a lot of things. And so, you know, that's, I think it was just kind of a natural progression that we eventually. Had so many people get married. And you know, the sad thing about all the marriages of 1973 we are the only two couples that managed to keep it together this long. That's (laughs) because Frank and I are both saints. (laughs) (laughs)
5: All right, Linda. (laughs) Um,
3: I'm not sure what that says about you and I, Rick.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So for those of us who might not be familiar, I'm sure that the term kind of implies, but what was sight-saving classes? And and has that morphed into something that we'd recognize now?
4: You would meet in the same homeroom type situation, room stock, classes from like first grade to sixth grade. And in our situation, there was was probably anywhere from like two to four people in each grade. So there'd be maybe 20 people in the room. And the room would have uh, resources like large print books, and uh, big typewriters and that kind of thing that, that, you know, would help us in our schoolwork. And occasionally, not so much in elementary school, but in middle school, occasionally, we would go out to the radio. This class, of course, was in a regular uh, school. So we'd go out to the other classes for like maybe math and English and geography. But it returned to like this homeward situation where you had the resources, the large print and that sort of thing to help you out with your work.
3: And where I went was something similar to that, except that there were two classes in um, in Medford, which was the town next to where I grew up. And one was for people who had very, very limited vision or totally blind. And the other one was for people who had more usable vision, and it was located in, both of them, I think, actually, were actually located in a room in a junior high school, so we were kind of a little bit more isolated, especially in younger years, because, you know, you had ninth graders and kindergartners in this, in the same building, so we were somewhat more isolated from them, but yet, at the same time, it was almost like being, like, growing up, I always think, Laura Ingalls, was like growing up in a one- (laughs) in a one-room schoolhouse, in that we learned, learned, I think, very early on the more socialization among ages, not just our own seven-year-olds or 10-year-olds, but we had people in the class from, literally from K through nine. In the seventh, eighth, and ninth grade, back then uh, Medford was still junior high in ninth grade, Um, you worked out of that classroom a little bit more than I think Rick's talking about, in that all it was was your homeroom. And if you did want to go in and use the tape recorders, we had a great system in Massachusetts for a lot of textbooks were recorded by the prisoners down at uh, the Walpole State Prison in what was called the Argosy Club. So you could go in and listen to the history book. You could do your homework before you left school during the day, um, that kind of thing, but basically, you were pretty immersed in the regular junior high school.
1: You know, I don't really know much about this, but I'm, I'm assuming that that really wasn't the norm for, for the whole country at that point in time. Was, was this more, you know, a new ex- or somewhat experimental program? or?
3: I don't think it was really experimental so much as Massachusetts was, <laughs> has always been one of the states that was basically pretty far ahead of uh, most of the rest of the country. You have to remember that the oldest school for the blind, for instance, in the country is Perkins, and that's in Massachusetts. The Massachusetts Commission for the Blind in those days had the funding. It it wasn't an issue about the tuition for you if you were going on to college. If you could get into Harvard Law, they paid. The rehab system in those days was very different than what it is now.
1: Well, I mean, it's definitely shown through even to this day in ACB, some of our strongest uh, advocators come from Bay State and from the state of Massachusetts. But we're here to talk more about couples than about uh, rehab programs and inclusionary tactics, et cetera, et cetera. So Frank, it was a good, cheap first date. How did it go and uh, how'd you get a second date?
5: <laughs> well, let's see. I think I, I, I got our first uh, date. <laughs> I, um, that was
3: actually probably about our fourth date. <laughs> uh,
5: oh, okay. Okay. I'm, I'm thinking
3: of the cab, in which. Uh, the cab, that was our first date. Yeah, yes. Yes, I'm yes. saying about going to the meeting was probably our fourth. Yeah.
5: Yeah. We went to uh, uh, the, the Hawaiian. Chinese restaurant. Yeah, the Hawaiian. Yeah. It, was, it was so cool. Yeah. And uh, I remember that the, uh, a cab ride, I was disappointed that we were. T- that, that, see, Terry was in the back seat and I was in the front seat, I guess. So, right, because I think <laughs> you picked me up, right? And I thought, well, this, yeah, we, well, we should yeah, be somehow. sitting together. <laughs> but, but, but what it, it actually
3: was, was was it was really a double date. Yeah. We were actually going out with another couple who yeah. um, were the ones that really got us together. Yeah. One person in particular had worked very hard on getting the two of us to agree to go out with each other. <laughs> <laughs> um, but neither one, of, neither one of us knew how hard she worked on it until <laughs> afterward. And that was Peggy Kingman McCarthy. Uh, she was um, great. A <laughs> lot of people remember Peggy. She was the woman who died from injuries sustained when she fa- uh, oh, fell off a right. subway platform in Massachusetts and was a major, major contributing factor to getting tactile warning strips through the years. Yeah in subway systems around the country. and But she was a friend of both of us and she was going out with Frank's best friend and she just was determined that Frank and I were gonna to get together. She was um, great. <laughs> that was a awesome. good thing Piggy did. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, Would she call oh. Well, I guess
1: she had good personal insight when did it go from <laughs> casual dating to, I think I'm falling in love.
3: And that was it, so our first date, we actually went out with them. So the backseat, I was glad that somehow we had managed to fit me, Tom, Peggy, Peggy's dog, Hoyt, in the backseat, so Frank didn't have a choice but to sit in front that <laughs> night. <nice>. True <laughs> enough. <laughs> and it was pouring rain. Yeah, Or yeah. <laughs> snowing or something, it was in January.
1: So let's jump back over to Linda and Rick. Um, you guys had a longer courtship. What was the beginning of your courtship like? Well, I, I think our first date was
4: actually
1: was actually bowling,
4: um, which may not sound too romantic, but where they were in the separate seats in the car, at least we were in the same alley. <laughs> Back then, of course, you we know, were students. We didn't have a lot of money, so there weren't really a whole lot of tremendous romantic dates, um, a lot of just hanging out. And uh, getting to know each other. Um, I think we did. I think I did eventually. If I do say so, do pretty well when we got engaged because our, it was a a winter, December fifteenth of seventy two, and we had a small snowstorm. And I took Linda to the Boston Common, where they have a skating pond, and mm. it's all lit up. And the Boston Common is also all lit up with Christmas trees. And I sat her on a bench at the Frog Pond and I did actually get down to my knee and ask her to marry me. Rick, why didn't you
3: take a lesson from Rick? <laughs> <No>.
1: <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> uh, well, you got the ring at the ring, Linda. Tell us how you felt yeah. when that happened. Oh, I was excited.
2: I mean, I, well, I mean, we were going out for, you know, quite a while. And, you know, I guess it was, Sort of a surprise. I was nervous, and I started laughing, but I said yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we have the Swan story. Frank, how did you propose?
5: Oh my! <laughs> well, <laughs> let me let me be straightforward. And, uh, uh, Mr. Romantic would not be a name that would be applied to me,
6: unfortunately.
5: We let's see. Uh, we were at a, uh, was it a wedding? We were, at, yeah, we, we were at, yeah, we were at the, Barbara wedding. wedding. yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, there, there, there were those there who, who really thought we'd, we'd be a great couple, right? And then, yes. And anyway, uh, what happened? What's, we left there and uh, we went back to uh, my apartment, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh my goodness, do I really? <laughs> 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 you know, I've been so fortunate to, to, to have gotten such a wonderful wife, and and that were, but my romantic skills were not. Anyway, I I think did I say something like Let's see. Uh, so so are we getting married? Yeah. That was- <laughs> <laughs> and dear Terry said yes. Unfortunately. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs>
3: I've been very
5: lucky. <laughs> Actually, what was
3: really crazy about that day was after we got back from the wedding, and everybody was doing long dresses and that at the time. We got back from the wedding to his apartment, and he went out to do a couple of errands. I remember you went to go to the dry cleaners or something. And so I said, I'm just going to grab a sheet, take off this, just take the dress off so it wouldn't, so wouldn't get wrinkled. Roll up in a sheet and lie on the couch because, truthfully, we had both had plenty to drink that day at the wedding. <laughs> we had celebrated these. We had celebrated these friends getting married. Indeed. And so I wrapped up. This gets worse, somebody. You're like, this is funny. I wrapped up, wrapped up. I mean, I mean, I'm got my long slip and everything on, but I wrapped up in a sheet on the couch in his apartment. And the next thing so he was going out. I said, fine. I'm by myself. The next thing I hear, a key in the door. <laughs> i my like, God, he's back fast. And who came walking in, didn't know that he was up in town for the weekend, but Russ Figlioli. <laughs> 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 Russ was a great friend of ours. Yeah. And he and Frank were best friends. And he lived about 65 miles away. And so every other weekend, he used to uh, stay at Frank's apartment. Didn't know he was there that weekend. <laughs> he must have had a hot day
6: he, that weekend too.
3: He, he probably by Frank left, you, left him a present.
6: <laughs> <laughs>
3: so after like, I, I think he's trying to figure out why I'm dressed in a toga practically.
6: <laughs> Party!
3: necessary. <laughs> <It was just, laughs> We finally, when he finally, I don't know if he went to the other room or something, I ran in the bedroom and threw on my dress. And then he went out and and that was when Frank and I were sitting on the couch after Russell left. And yeah. he, there's not much left. Frank just said, so are we getting married? That was like the entire, <laughs> the entire proposal. <laughs>
5: <laughs> oh, goodness. Shame, shame. Oh, God.
3: I can tell you one uh, of the funny stories. I think please. I knew that things were probably going to work out between us because, oh, probably on about our fourth or fifth date, something like that, we, this, again, this couple, Peggy and Tom and Frank and I had gone out and we were going back to his apartment afterwards to just to kind of hang out. and I was really <laughs> into the uh, Don McLean's American Pie at the time. He used to blast it on the stereo in his apartment. And we, I don't know what, what, they, what they did. They did something and they were meeting us at his apartment later. And Frank and I stopped at a little store to pick up some soda. And it was a miserable snowy oh my t- season. And I was walking ahead of him and I heard this thud and crash, wham, kaboom. Um. And I turned around and Frank is on his knees, like back on his haunches with two, this is back in the days before plastic bottles. They were glass bottles, yeah. They were two oh. glass bottles of Coke smashed and he's kneeling in this brown foam. <laughs> it's the foam from the Coca-Cola. Oh, yeah. And I could do nothing but stand there and laugh. <laughs> and I figured if he didn't hate me after that, there was something going to happen here. <laughs> I turned around and this because as soon as this the coke hit the snow, it was all snowy. It just turned into this brown foam everywhere. <laughs> and he kneeling. And you said this Frank has a bubbling personality. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know, maybe there's some hope for us yet.
1: <laughs> oh goodness almost 50 years later it's it's a beautiful thing to be able to hear how much fun you're having recalling the, these times these stories and thank you so much for sharing them with us let's let's have a little fun out of the four of you who's the funniest who's the driest
4: i would say frank is the driest <laughs>
3: I was debating between Frank and Linda, yeah. Probably Frank. Yeah. No, okay. No, wait a minute. Dry and Frank. Those two words don't go together. Any,
4: story. I
1: don't
4: know if any one of us is the funny. It's just like, a lot of times we play off against each other pretty well. There were times back when, um, Terry and I were both on the State Board of Blind Vendors and we'd meet once a month. And of course, afterwards, afterwards, being very dedicated board members, we wanted to make sure that we got everything down in our minds, so we made sure we went afterwards someplace to a some sort of a local watering hole just to discuss very important matters. And a lot of times, after midnight there would be a phone call from Linda to Frank or yeah. Frank to Linda yeah. saying, Do you know where they yeah. are?
3: Yeah. Where are they, Frank?
6: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: and those were the days before cell phones. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: yeah.
4: That's funny. So I think you know so you know, I think Carrie and I play off each other pretty well. I don't know if any
2: one of us is funnier than the other. <laughs> <laughs> Although Carrie, Carrie tells the best story. Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> Great stories. <laughs>
3: She does. Yes. Who is the best cook? Linda's a oh. good cook, and Terry's darn Thank
2: good. Thank you. And Terry's <laughs> a good cook.
3: Thank
4: you. I think I'm the best. I think I'm the best eater.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always ask my couples, "What have you learned from each other, and what's your favorite thing about each other?" And I want to do the same one by one. But I also <laughs> would ask you guys to follow that up with what you've learned from being friends with the other couple. And let's start with the swans. How about you go first, Linda? What have you learned from Rick? And uh, (laughs) what have you learned from me, from Terry and Frank?
2: What I've learned from Terry and Frank is it's so much fun to have a couple your own age and that we've known each other for so long and it was nice because right after we were married we moved to Braintree and a few years after that Terry and Frank moved to Braintree and it was so nice to have someone that we really knew in the same town and um we we've taken a lot of you know vacations and stuff together which was really fun. Um, We went down to Disney a couple of times, and um, we've been to the conventions, which going to a convention with Terry is a lot of fun and a lot of laughs and a lot of work. Um, And and Rick, um, what I've learned from him is just, well, right now we're kind of retired because of the covert, and um, it's an adjustment, but we're, we're, we're enjoying it. Um, we would live with my daughter and her children, and that's a lot of fun, and that keeps us very busy. And also talking to Terry on the phone, and Terry will say, I've got an idea. So there we go.
1: A scapily brilliant one. How about you, Rick?
4: What I've learned from Linda, I think, is that... <laughs> You know when you're when you're together for all these years i don't think you know I don't think everybody has to do their own thing there are certain things that Linda is better at than I am there's things that I'm better at than Linda does, and we do these things for each other, even though we could each do them if we had to and I think that works out well another thing i, I and i you know i, I don't we've been having a great time here, and I don't mean to bring anybody down, but the time that I think i I appreciated Linda the most. Unfortunately, our our son was killed when he was 19 years old. Um, and Sorry. I know I had to lean on Linda big time during that. And I, I assume she lent my, you know, leaned on me too. And the thing that amazed me afterwards was, we had so many people tell me, you know, when that happened, I thought, sure, you two would end up breaking up because most people do when that happens. And I could never understand that because that's when we need each other, each other the most and I think that's when we came through the most. So, I mean, that's enough of that. Let's get back to having some
1: fun. <laughs> well, thank yeah. you for sharing that and, and I'm so sorry. But what have and you I, learned from being around Frank and Terry?
4: There's been times where you better stay away from them.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Especially me.
4: <laughs> um, and,
3: oh. Just just
4: good time. I mean, like Linda said at conventions. We you know we took a, we the four of us took a side trip to uh-huh. the Grand Canyon.
2: It was which, Terry's idea. You
4: know, which almost killed us. Because <laughs> <laughs> we ended up having to climb up from the from the river up to the to the next ledge on the you know, like six inches from the, the drop to the river. And you know, <laughs> So that was interesting. You know, it's just it's nice to have friends that you, you you know you don't have to be pretentious with, but you know they're always going to be there if you need them.
1: That's beautiful. Let's go backwards. How about Frank first?
5: Let's see, um, what, what, the first, I'm sorry, the order of the questions, uh, <laughs> yeah. let's
1: see. What, what, have you, you, what have you learned or admired about Terry? And then what have you learned or admired about the swans as a couple? Uh,
5: Terry um, is a person who's you know uh, very uh, committed to her conscience. Um, the, you know, she'll just, um, the amount of her energy that she'll, that she'll put into some of these things, uh, I, I so, uh, admire, you know? Um, and, uh, so I, I've, I've, I've learned, um, a, a tr- tremendous respect for that. You know, she's great at work and great around the house and, uh, just a, a great friend and wonderful, um, and wonderful wife. And, uh, I've, I've, I've just been, I've just been so fortunate. And about the swans? The swans. Uh, well, they, 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 have been, they've been great friends. They've, uh, in, invited us to, uh, to go to Disney with them, um, on, on, on some occasions and, and it, we had wonderful time with them. Uh, and they were, uh, they were just, they were just so great. So generous. Um, and uh, they they've just been uh, good friends uh, through the years, and they are uh, you know they're just a wonderful happy couple and uh, and just uh, such a pleasure to uh, <clears throat> to to be around and to, and you know to have in, to have in our circle. <laughs> I respect them both they're hardworking uh,
3: great folks. How about you, Tari? What have I learned from Frank? A whole lot about (laughs) stereo equipment. (laughs) A whole lot about stereo equipment. (laughs) Um, He was the one that, you know, this is is, back in the late 80s and early 90s, he was the one that was, you know, the computers are the way of the future. And I was, what are you, crazy? Why would anyone want a computer in the house? <laughs> um, I think I now have, we now have um, something like five of them. I mm-hmm. <laughs> uh,
5: live on them. And Terry understands them much, much better than, and much, much more detail than I do at this point.
3: I think mm-hmm. we've, I've, I, I guess what I've done is, I guess more than anything, I've learned to grow from Frank. Um, uh-huh. I've learned how somebody can be incredibly, incredibly supportive. And he has been that to me. You know, when I got got a phone call one night back in August of 99, it was almost right around our anniversary, I think. But a week before, it was probably around Rick and Linda's anniversary, actually. (laughs) (laughs) When Charlie and Paul called me and asked me if I would be willing to consider coming down to Washington, to take the position at ACB. You know, I hollered upstairs to Frank and said, hey, wanna move to Washington? And then I turned back and said, Charlie, I'll call you back in 10 minutes. You know, this, that was a huge thing for us to do. We gave up our family, you know, we were the, only, were the only members of our family that ever ran away from home, as I always put it. <laughs> Everybody else is like within, within 10 minutes of each other. Um, We gave up our home. We made arrangements for our son up there. Um, We gave up, we were in the vending program at that time. Um, Frank was used to, uh, we had a a local Irish American club that was (laughs) our lives practically. Um, And all of our friends, all of our friends in that, he gave up all of that to make me happy. I guess that's what I'm saying is he gave it up for me to follow what I thought was at the time I thought was like my perfect job. I loved being a meeting planner. I loved coordinating projects and that kind of thing. And he was like, "Okay, how do we do? What do we do about this, this and this? And I said, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. And In in reality. (laughs) He spent the next three months (laughs) taking care of most of that stuff while I learned what I was doing down in Washington. Yeah, and and I think that's what I've really learned from Frank, is how, and I I hope someday to be half as supportive of him as he has been of me through the years. And as far as the Swans, I've learned from them a lot of the Meetings of good friendship i 've learned from Rick Swan how to jump over a turnstile when the subway <laughs> station is closed yeah. <laughs> not my,
6: not
3: my after one of those after one of those very important meetings of ours yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the 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 advantages of having good friends that you can just be yourself with, you know I think a lot of times whether we're in our careers or advocacy or whatever you know you're always a little bit on guard about this or that it's wonderful to have friends that you can actually just totally you know unload on them or you know just just have fun and not have to worry about consequences of who's going to think what of me and that kind of thing and It's just, it's the comfort of having friends like the Swans.
1: That's absolutely beautiful. I have to tell you, when I decided, you know, early on in Sunday edition that I wanted to do this kind of a show, a couple show and feature prominent, you know, people that have had a history and some fun and uh, Terry and Frank, Terry and Frank, Terry and Frank. So I definitely wanted, when I had Terry and Frank, <laughs> for it to be a show that was going to be worth it and memorable. And don't, definitely don't disappoint. Thank you for introducing me to the Swans. But, you know, we're on ACB radio and, you know, we're talking about, you know, almost, wow, almost 50 years. So if you don't mind, would you tell me a little bit about, you know, the journey of ACB and, and then now, and, you know, looking around, you know, looking at the organization now, what could you have imagined being part of ACB for 50 years, almost 50 years, excuse me.
3: I'm not sure I imagined being part of life for that long at the back of most <laughs> days. <laughs> um, who wants to take it? You take it. <laughs> Thanks, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rick. We <laughs> work <well> together. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I guess we we do we do have a history in ACB. Um, as I say, we were the first state affiliate, and that affiliate really got started. You know, I, I look at it now, and you know, it's most every most of the people. As a matter of fact, I just, realized, I just realized the other day that the first set of officers um, are all gone now. And I think I'm the only one left from the second set. Um, there's two or three of us from the third set. Um, <laughs> but one we learned so much about ACB back then um, because Derwood McDaniel and MJ Schmidt and Mary Ballard, who... Um, was the editor of the Braille Forum in those days? They used to come up and they did a, an awful lot to help us get started. And we were all a bunch of young kids. Most of us were still in school or very, very recently out of out of college. Um, and they really tried to rein us in. Quite, you know, some of us kind of went off in all kinds of crazy directions. But but they were very, very encouraging. I guess is what I want to say is more appropriate. And they would come up periodically and give us a hand. Um, They were just so much, they were just very, very welcoming of us, which had not happened with uh, the other national organization at all. As a matter of fact, Frank had been a member of um, the NFB's Boston chapter. And um, we've never really figured out whether he got thrown out or he resigned. They took made a motion. They made a motion to throw him out, and he said, "Don't bother. I resign." And they went through with the vote anyway. As he was walking out the door, <laughs> so, it kind of like a double order.
6: <laughs> He's kind of out
3: twice. <laughs> you know, and, and we did. We got involved with that. We were involved with the things like the Architectural Barriers Board in Boston. Um, we were involved with the beginnings of the National Coalition of the Massachusetts Coalition of Citizens with Disabilities. We were up on Capitol Hill, uh, Beacon Hill, excuse me, uh, up on Beacon Hill, the capital of Boston, um, during prorogation, which is like this horror show. Um, and with Phyllis and Marlena and me and Frank and Charlie and uh, several other people who uh, are totally blanking on me at the i think chris was there um and that like for all night literally all night long um trying to get an employment uh, bill passed came very very close but um the head of the massachusetts businessmen's association came closer he he, he won um, he was actually a member of the state legislature at the time. And it was just, it was craziness. But we got very involved in that. And then we got more involved nationally. You know, Durwood got us much more into other things. I remember the first, the first national, be uh, uh, outside of Massachusetts um, event that I attended was, was Phyllis and Donna and me and another guy, Ed, all went out to Albany. For the ACB of New Yorks, um, it was like their legislative seminar, and that was an experience. That's where we learned an awful lot because that was an amazing team. You had MJ Schmidt, who many of ACB members remember, yes, quite well. MJ ran the social half of that weekend, and Eunice Fiorito. Ran the legislative, the advocacy part of it, if you will, and um, I think it was Floyd Qualls was out, a former ACB president, came out and spoke at it, um, and I think that's where I first got involved on in a on a more, at least a regional, if not national, basis, and um, but then a lot of us we had that was one of the things that I've always totally advocated for this. ACB, when you're looking at membership development, you first thing you have to look at is what people want and need are, are and are apt to do. And the Swans are an excellent, excellent example of, you know, in the 1970s and 80s, m- many of us were not in a situation where we wanted to or were... In a position to be able to go testify at the court at the state house, um, that kind of thing. We were busy. We were we had we were buying our first homes. We were working, you know, getting our careers off the ground. Um, Frank and I were both working for Internal Revenue at the time. Um, we were having children. What we really needed was something. Not so much dealing with advocacy, but how do those of us who are in this situation make the best that we can of our lives and our kids' lives and our families in general? And we got a group of us together um, that really kind of became the so short chapter for a while of Bay State that did things like we hooked up somehow. I forget how. With the school, the company that provided school buses in the next town to us during the school year, in the summer, you could rent their buses for, I forget, it was like 80 cents a mile or something like that. So that we could take the kids to, the, to an amusement park that ordinarily you'd need a car to get to. Or we'd take them to the Kennedy uh, Library or, you know, th- we, people could get together to figure out how do you make a socket wrench work um that kind of thing and we did a lot of that and i think that was i think that's what kept a lot of us really involved with acb for a good number of years um back in those days until we you know until we had the time again to get back into and to get back into it in our 40s and 50s and such and that's something that you know and today I've been working, for instance, I've been doing these visibility calls for visually impaired seniors with abilities um, on Thursday nights on ACB radio, just because we're still the same people, but we've entered into, a new, to, into yet another stage of life where we still have a lot to offer, still have um, a lot of our experiences behind us. And I think I've probably talked way too long at this point. <laughs> No, it's it's absolutely beautiful,
1: and it,
3: it actually leads
1: to where I wanted to go. Um, you know, we had a virtual convention. We have these phenomenally beautiful community calls that are doing an incredible, an incredible job at keeping us all together and growing the membership at large because people who didn't necessarily know or pay attention to ACB have come on calls and, and experienced the convention for the first time is You're right. you know the wave of the future i think is definitely at least partially you know conventions that are virtual and and physically you know in being able to participate physically but the community you know ACB the organization it pulled it pulled us all into a way to be together and to support each other and i have to think that the spirit of of ACB and all those names, including the four of you, but all those names that you mentioned, without them, I don't, I don't think we would be doing this now. I don't know you know, a full um, treatise of, of the history of the ECB, but a big thanks has to be laid at the feet of, of you guys and people like Charlie Crawford and, and of course, Derwood. Um, you wanna speak a little bit about community calls and where you think the organization's gonna go Moving forward,
3: sure. Um, I think that you know, ACB was it, it was a growing organization back then. It's always been a growing organization, but you know, like everything else, through the decades, it's cha- It changes, and we need to accept that change. We need to we need to embrace that change. Um, you know, ACB was a great organization. And it, it's, it's had it's it's, you know, like anything else, like our marriages, um, like anything. It's had its ups and downs. Um, I often think of there's a wonderful song um, called The Voyage. Of course, I like it by Celtic Thunder,
6: mm-hmm.
3: um, but other people sing it It's <laughs> <and I'm laughs> Scottish. Um, but there's a marvelous song called uh, The Voyage. And it's a it's a great love song, but in a lot of ways, very, very much reflects the the history and the future of ACB in that you know we've gone through the doldrums we've gone through the the ups and the downs and right now ACB has is absolutely at the precipice of an incredible incredible growth a growth a change into the future you know when I came down here 21 years ago it was a huge deal when I activated the ACB leadership email list. Because <laughs> that was the best way that we could get connection a re- a, on a regular basis with, with our 72 affiliates at the time. Um, and that's like so old hat today. But yet mm-hmm. people people right now, and I think it's because we've brought in so many younger people, you know, people in their 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s, um, which I'm still in one of those categories. Hint, hint, hint. <laughs> um, <laughs>
6: uh,
3: that's great. <laughs> <laughs> we won't say which one. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that we're bringing so many people in and we need to find a place for all of them. It's something I'm I'm looking forward to doing a show next week. On, we're we've been very heavily focusing on um, blind students and on this new next generation, next gen affiliate. What do we see as a future for the, those that are over 40, um, but not necessarily over 90.
6: <laughs> um, <laughs> not necessarily the old I guard. I can
3: say that, you know, I saw a yeah. recently about a woman who celebrated her 100th birthday Um, And she's still out advocating. Um, But I think that ACB right now is in a position where it could open its arms very easily to everyone. And that's what I think has been missing for a long time. And that, that opportunity awaits the organization right now. And I think we all need to work to have that happen. And I don't think it's going to take a whole lot of work other than ho- learning how to host and, and facilitate Zoom calls.
6: <laughs> yeah. um,
3: you know, truthfully, I think, the, you know, the, there are very, very few good things that have happened because oh, of right, the pandemic. Yeah. But I think what's, what's happened to ACB is one of the few really good things. I think that nothing has benefited ACB in the last Probably thirty or forty years, like the like Zoom and the pandemic, and the, I shouldn't say like the pandemic has. Yeah, the We've response lost to. some very good people because of it. But yeah. what it what it has forced us all to do to come into the twenty first century and get on these calls and you know get involved. There are so many different wonderful programs that people are running now, but are becoming so much more inclusive. And I think that's, that's a, I, I see a very, very bright future for ACB. I,
1: I do too. And I, I pray your words follow the next 10, 20, 40, 50 years ahead. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna be very cliche right now and ask the question that I'm sure you've been asked before, but you know, is very typical for those long, beautiful marriages. What's the secret to a successful, happy marriage?
6: Right. <laughs> We're we'll you know when we get there.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Somebody let us know. Yeah. In our, in our house I'll tell you in our house I can tell you exactly what it is two bathrooms <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs>
6: <laughs>
4: as um just, just making <laughs> sure that you know you care for your mate more than you care for yourself
1: but mm-hmm. wow that's a good piece of advice
3: yeah that is yeah. that's good yeah yeah
1: and to those of us i'm going to count myself in that that are the next gen coming up what advice would you give us as far as relationships, you mean? Relationships, advocating, whatever whatever wisdom comes to mind, we'll take it. Rick, um, your turn
4: to go first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, start out in the bowling alley. I don't, uh. <laughs> Chinese restaurants um, are good, just, too. Just, you know, just don't rush into things. People... Seem to rush into things so much these days, I, you know. And I don't mean to like, ah, guy, but there's time out there. Take your time. You know, learn to learn. You know, learn your your partner that you're interested in before you jump into something. It's a That's good nice. point.
3: Yeah, that is very good point. And I so, think I think maybe following up on that too is to take your time. Not jump into something, jump jump in once you 've looked at it, maybe looked at everything, looked at the possibilities of what can go wrong, of what what has and hasn 't worked in the past, and not so much if something didn 't work, then no i don 't want to do it again why didn 't it you work so that we can fix it this time
1: and tweak it yeah
3: to jump in with no hit with, with, I think we we have to learn from history we don 't have to repeat it. Absolutely.
1: So if you could go back to that August in 1973 and, and I'm going to ask each of you to to think about it for a moment and answer and tell, you know, that young self, one thing to get through the next couple of decades, what would it be?
2: I think sharing life together, doing things that you both like to do and Make sure you get plenty of help with housework.
6: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
6: I
4: like that. <laughs> How about you, Rick? I have to go soon. I have to do my housework, but um,
1: <laughs> we're almost done, I promise.
4: <laughs> I don't know. Just, you know, don't, I mean, everybody's going to have arguments, going to have fights, just, afterwards take a breath don't take them too seriously and just relax and think of why you why you're together in the first place and and you know there's reasons for that and they're usually pretty good reasons and just go back to that and think about it for a while oh,
1: that's beautiful frank
5: i guess it, it you know it it was as I, I look back and think and think how how it all you know as as we came forward um I guess it would be that um I'm not sure that I fully appreciated uh how how fortunate I was to have found such a such a wonderful uh, woman to marry and how uh, how you know how wonderful it would it would make the future years and uh it's it's I, I, I'm not sure that i'm putting it very well, but, uh, I certainly, um, am, uh, happier than, I think, than I, I could have imagined then. Uh, I say, you know, it's, here it is, um, you know, for, for 47 years later and, uh, um, I, I, I couldn't be happier. I couldn't, I, I, this, this. You did note, something right. I, <laughs> I, I sure did. What you mean? I sure did. <laughs> <laughs>
1: How about you, Terry? <laughs> I guess
3: if I went back to back then to give myself some advice, I guess it would be back It was the, within a year after we got married, we had bought our first house, and we were celebrating. We had two other couples that we were friendly with, and the six of us and our three dogs and all that. They were three crazy wild animals. Um, <laughs> We're out in our backyard and one it was one of them's third wedding anniversary. And we were still going through our first year, and I think the first year of marriage is like the roughest. Because you've got so many little things to get used to. I mean, I wouldn't want to guess how many irons got knocked got broken because I kept forgetting to put the ironing board away until I uh, kept forgetting to tell Frank where I left it. You know, yeah. um, how he survived the first year. I forgot to close the dishwasher and he tripped over it and put his hand right down on the silverware. Uh, oh, and, like more things sticking out of his hand, you know, mm. that kind of thing. And I remember thinking that, and we were probably only married about 10 or 11 months at the time. And they were having their third wedding anniversary and I was like, I can't imagine being together that long. That just seems like forever, that three years. Because it was, because the first year is rough. But you know what? It's well worth getting, getting through it. Indeed. It really is. Wow. And if, and, if and if you're friends, and if you've got a lot of the characteristics of a good friendship, um, involved in it, you get, you've got it made in the shade.
1: Wow. I, I, that's that's a great note to end on. Um, Terry, Frank, Linda, Rick, I want to thank you so much for joining us and uh, sharing all your stories, beautiful wisdom. This, is, uh, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much. Any last words from anyone?
4: We'll do this again in another 47
3: years. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well,
1: thank you, thank
3: you for... Thank, thank you, you for, Anthony. Thank you for yeah, having us. Thank you, Anthony. Yeah, thank you for, con- for considering us for this uh, series that you're doing. And I want to wish you well with Sunday Edition.
1: Thank you um, It is in podcast form So all your friends can listen to the show Sunday night or whatever they would like I will be back in a few moments With Mark and Franco Help,
6: I need somebody
7: Let's face it, we are increasingly challenged to keep up with ever-changing technology. Would you like more help with how to use some tech device or equipment? How about programs and apps in your personal life and work? Consider joining Blind Information Technology Specialists, BITS, membership gives you access to our exclusive email list for exchanging ideas, getting sometimes hard to find technical assistance, online presentations, workshops and tutorials, and our live chat sessions. To join, go to bits-acb.org or email treasurer at bits-acb.org bits (laughs) acborg no matter who you are or where you live, you can participate in ACB Families. We're as close as your telephone and as easy to reach as dialing a number. ACB Families host two informational and peer support calls each month. We're hosting three events at the 2020 ACB Conference and Convention. A breakfast, a bingo, and a campfire sing. Join our ACB Family. Dues are just $8. Find out more. Call 502 502- Eight nine seven one four seven two, or email families at gmail.com. That's 502-897-1472 or families at gmail.com. We are Friends in Art, an affiliate of the American Council of the Blind, joining with others to share talents, appreciating arts of all kinds. We advocate for accessibility of art from software to theaters and venues, as well as offering an annual scholarship for blind or visually impaired students pursuing their talents and studies of art. Visit friendsinart.com. Your membership helps us to support students while continuing to grow our organization. That's friendsinart.com. Hey Jason, do you remember BPI? Oh, yeah, Blind LGBT Pride International. They're a special interest affiliate of ACB. Yes, they are the ones doing all these cool things at convention yoga, wine tastings, fun parties, as well as other interesting learning activities. Well, guess what they're up to now? Ooh, do tell. They are now having their own show on ACB Radio Mainstream. It's called Pride Connection. That's great. But what if I'm not a
1: part of the LGBT community?
7: No worries. This is a show for everyone. Actually, non-LGBT and non-disabled folks are known as allies and they are a huge portion of BPI's membership. And in the words of BPI's leadership, everyone is welcome. BPI is proud to offer an open space where you can be yourself. Mm,
5: So what kinds of topics can I expect from Pride Connection?
7: Fun and relevant topics for everyone, from blindness topics to LGBT education, technology to advocacy, accessibility issues to everyday topics
5: so when will pride connection take place
7: every tuesday at 10 p.m eastern be sure to tune in so we can all connect mingle and learn while having fun pride connection
5: join the bpi party every tuesday at 10 p.m on on acb ACB radio Radio Mainstream. mainstream
1: And we're back with a great couple. I'd like to welcome Mark Hanahano and Franco Certeza. They are BPI members and members of ACB at large because, of course, once you're a member of a special interest affiliate, you're a member of the greater parent organization, ACB. Welcome, Mark and Franco. Thank you for joining Sunday Edition. Oh, well, thanks for Uh, having us. Thanks for having us. So you guys are uh, pretty well known in BPI, but I am assuming that most of ACB won't know, well, definitely won't know Franco very well, but uh, <laughs> probably don't know very much about Mark either. And so that is about to change. Tell us a little about yourselves individually and how long you've been together slash married. Take it away, Mark or Franco. let
0: start. Oh, I get to start. I get I'll to start. start. <clears throat> sure. I get start. Um, I'm not sure. <laughs> no, you you can start. You're better at this than
8: I am. So um, I've been involved with ACB for probably a little over 15 years now. Um, very familiar with a lot of the conventions. Even was a part of many of them, and um, of course a big part of BPI as well. For wow, for quite a long time. So. Um, Let's see well I've been visually impaired since birth both of my vi- both of my parents are visually impaired as well um, so it was a very interesting childhood growing up. I have one sister who is sighted and we um actually she I have two or I should say we have two <laughs> wonderful nieces and nephews so that's kind of nice as well. I'll let Frankel tell a little part about us and little bit well
0: let me talk about me
8: first sure (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: but um, so yes I'm Franco Um, I don't know a lot of some sometimes people think that we sound alike I guess or I I don't hear it I don't think we do but um, you know so um, I was never I mean I'm fully sighted. so you know before prior to meeting Mark you know, I I only had any kind of, you know, encounters with any blind or visually impaired persons through uh, family, friends, family members, or, you know, whatnot, but nobody uh, this close. I mean, and I'm talking about close, Um, but no. So uh, as far as BPI goes, I only know about it. And I've attended, you know, a few little intimate gatherings or whatnot. That's, you know, somewhat associated with BPI. Yes. And then, uh, you know, Denver, I guess. Oh, yeah. in Denver, known, too. And, you know, um, but prior to that, no actual sort of exposure to ACB or BPI. Yeah. So um, but I, I, I'm an only child. I pretty much come from just two parents and I'm the only one that's really existing. Um, and yeah, I wish I had nieces and nephews that were directly mine, but considering that I'm the only child, <laughs> I don't have that. <laughs> Through cousins? Cousins, yes, you know, but not directly through me,
4: so.
8: Well, um, we, uh, uh, just a little bit before we go into our, uh, how we met and everything, uh, I, uh, I've been involved with the blind and visually impaired community for quite some time. As you know, like I mentioned, my both of my parents are visually impaired. So I've been involved with a lot of nonprofits uh, that are for the blind and visually impaired. Even now, Working, I work for one of the biggest or one of the largest organizations serving the blind and visually impaired here in greater Los Angeles as well.
0: Well, I mean, in terms of how Mark and I met, it was, you know, of course, with the very notorious and popular dating app, um, you know, as formerly known, or it's not, it's not formally known, but it's known as Grindr. Um, You know, turns out that type of app is not just for hooking up. I guess you could go on dates and you could find the love of your life. The way that we first started talking it was more or less just a chat here a chat there um we were both very different points in our lives where i was you know kind of just in a way getting out of a really really bad relationship um and then i was kind of lightly dating guys here and there and just the same with mark you know he was also on and off with you know certain guys or whatnot and It just so happened that the one time that we decided to meet, we were both like single, like literally single, and the rest is is pretty much history. I mean, we can go into the depths and the, uh, (laughs) um, you know, um, as far as,
1: yeah. We'll definitely go into some of the depths, but I want to I want to take a couple of really <laughs> well not on air, but you know, right? After dark. <laughs> but no, seriously, I want to jump back to the to the grinder thing for a minute because a lot of the um, LGBTQ um, low or no vision people seem to think that you know the dating apps, um, whether they be the more traditional kind of match or Plenty of Fish. And, or the hookup apps are very hard for our community. you know there's a lot of talk about you know whether or not to disclose in profiles, et cetera, et cetera. So I was wondering, Mark, did you put your your vision status in your in your profile, or did that come up in conversation later on
8: yeah, so there there is a story slight story behind it. I' try to make it as short as possible, but really when it comes down to it, I I did not. I, I the, um, you know, you know how they say sometimes, some people that are low vision like myself, sometimes it's harder for us to hide it than it is for someone who's total. You know, like sometimes a picture doesn't tell you a lot of things, but when you're visually impaired, especially with my vision, my vision problem, my eyes, I have nystagmus and stuff like that. So they move around a lot. So in pictures, you could definitely tell something is wrong. You know what I mean? <laughs> with my eyes a lot of guys used to tell me are, are you high <laughs> in my picture that's just because my visual impairment you know what i mean that's just how it looked there was no way like you know in, in a course in a picture w- with a profile picture picture, you're gonna not wear sunglasses you know what i mean You're not gonna wear something to obstruct they want to see your face not you know what i mean not anything so it's a little harder to hide but i did not in in the profile i never disclosed as visually impaired uh, I have when I've you know met people, then they've realized I am visually impaired, of course, in person, and and with Franco it was really the same way too. Um, I I think he reacted differently than most people would. You know I, I have even people that have walked through the door, said oh hell no, and then walked out, and then that you know when when meeting for a date or something. So, but with Franco it was very nice. You know like we we met at a a, a nice shop outside shopping center with Starbucks and we sat down and had a drink and talked and everything and then we walked around and you know and and back then too back then too the thing that really got me nervous was showing my visual impairment and as it was that day i brought my cane but i didn't bring my guide dog because i didn't want to like totally kill the date i didn't want to totally kill the date because what if that person didn't like pets as well, too? There's some people who don't like to have, you know, pets as well. So that probably would have ruined the date. So I had my white cane tucked in my back pocket where no one could see it. And I kind of like more like trailed and kind of followed Franco and walked around the shopping center. And it was actually a place I knew because I was there. I would make I would go for walks there. So it was a place, a very familiar place to where it was. But I remember near the end of our date, I think, right? You wanted the date to go longer, you know, you wanted to hang out longer. And as it got, as it got darker, I was getting worried because, you know, uh, it it
0: was a far distance for him to walk. I think it was at least what, three miles? No, no, it was, it was like two miles. miles. So, you know, he had kind of these obstacles where, uh, yeah, I mean, a, a cane would definitely get him home, get him wherever he needs to go safely. But I think he would have preferred to you know, have used the light to get home versus him just kind of, you know, and I mean, I guess in terms of neighborhood, he would have been okay. But of course, you know, anybody that would probably see somebody that does have a cane would look at it as like, Oh, my God, look, there's a blind person. You know, so I
8: think Mark was, um, because I I did feel safer with my guide dog than I did with the cane. mm -hmm. But I mean, that doesn't mean that I felt incapable of traveling. I just felt that as it was getting darker, and uh, you know, I was losing more of my vision, that would be a problem to get home. And I didn't want to feel like I was dependent, saying, "Hey, can I get a ride? <laughs> can I get a ride home?" Mm-hmm. So, but go ahead, you want to pick up where, because I know that you were like, "Oh, well, I mean, <laughs> I,
0: the re- the reality of it is, you know, Anthony, it's like when I first met Mark. I mean, I was coming from around one corner, he was coming straight down the, you know, walkway, and." I, I never looked at his eyes and said, oh, like, there's something weird going on with his eyes. I didn't even, to be honest, I didn't really look there that much, you know, but maybe if I had, then it, things would be different. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but I, I think that he actually was the one that said something. And and I'm being honest here when I say, I didn't really think there was an issue. Like, I didn't look at his eyes that closely. Because, of course, as a sighted person, you know, those types of things don't always pull me as far as like they don't always are they aren't always the first things that I see. I mean, if you if he probably had a big pimple on his forehead, that's the thing that I would see versus <laughs> seeing his eyes moving rapidly back and forth or swinging you know side to side. You know, it, it wouldn't be the eyes. I don't know. Maybe the, I'm more of the um, like on the surface type of person that looks versus like really looks really hard. But um, no, we were having Starbucks. Um, we were sitting outside, and he's like, "Well, I don't know if you've noticed, but my eyes, you know, they tend to, you know, move very frequently and move from side to side." And I said, "Oh, okay, I didn't really notice, <laughs> you know." And when Marx says he was trailing me as we were walking around, he really wasn't. He was actually next to me.
8: Well, that's how I mean, like yeah, you were, you
0: were moving. Yeah, know. you yeah. know. Um, but you know, as it was getting to be around sunset ish i noticed he said because this is how he actually said when we were communicating before we had met or for made plans for that day he said well i can't really stay too long because i have to feed my dog (laughs) and i was like oh that's cool he has a dog and you know when we met up he said oh i just fed my dog i said oh that's perfect that's good you know so that way we, we could spend a little bit more time because i really was having a good time it was just a very chill you know, no expectations type of thing. Or, you know, there wasn't like all, you know, that type of awkwardness or anything like that. It was just very nice, very, you know, to walk around. And, you know, he was, he knows how to talk. He's very intelligent, very smart. Um, You know, don't make me cry because you're going (laughs) to know. But the thing is, is that when it came time to him going home and he's like, well, I better get going because I I have to feed my dog. And of course, I'm not going to be like, Feed your dog, didn't you? Tell me you already fed your dog. Now you want to leave. If you want to leave, you could just. I did not want to go into it. So I was just like, oh, okay. So in my head, I was actually thinking he was not interested, and by that meaning, that he was like, "Eh, I better end this quickly because it's not going my way or whatever. And so I was
1: a little bit. it's Not you. It's my dog. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Exactly. You know. Yes. That was that was the excuse, right? You know. So
0: the thing is, is that I was a little bit saddened by that, and. You know, I, so I he he quickly rushed off, and then I went my well basically went our separate ways, and and then I think I either texted him saying thanks for meeting up with me or vice versa, and then. He said, let's go on another yeah. day. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And I think that
8: was at that point that I told you what, why. Right? Yeah. and yeah, then he's and then, Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay. my, my, my feed, go feed, go home to feed my dog was translation to I better get home before it gets dark. <laughs> so that was it. But yeah, that was our, how we met. And then we, we met in October and then I we was met at, October 21st. Yep. And then <laughs> I had actually had planned a trip to Europe at the end of December. And um, Frankel's like, you better make it official before you take no, off I, No, <laughs> no, not, no, no, no. I wanted there was, to make. I, I, wanted, no uh, I wanted to make it official. That, you know, for us to be a real couple before I left to Europe, because we had planned this way before. This this trip was planned with a friend of mine way before. But I we, had went no on, we
0: were like at least a couple like, I think dancing and we could oh, see yeah, each yeah, yeah, weekend. We
8: oh so, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So. Almost
0: every weekend, actually, mm-hmm. from that point, really. So yeah, it didn't no, give no, us no, a lot of didn't... time. I mean, it was just basically we had a whole month because we met October 21st. Mm-hmm. I don't recall if that it was probably a Saturday. Yeah. But, you know, it didn't give us a lot of time because, you know, they were leaving, I believe, like the, like literally Anthony, they were leaving for their trip the 24th, Christmas Eve here. So when they would oh, arrive right. in London, it was already Christmas Day.
8: Yeah, so, we were gone during the worst part of it because that would have been a really nice time to spend even though it was new for us yeah. like, you know if you wanted to spend oh, that it was very there. hard
0: for me because i was like you know i'm really liking this guy and he, he's now my boyfriend but he's not even here during my most favorite holiday mm-hmm. so it was it was really hard it was really hard for me to you know but he was he was very sweet he, he kept almost like a like not a video diary but he was <laughs> you know constantly taking videos and sending it to me and you know i would do the same or i'd take pictures and send it to him so you know it was it was unlike any real relationship that i was in before i think mark was definitely different
1: (laughs) so let's jump back just a little bit because you heard mark say a few minutes ago you know there were guys that you know would walk into the room or wherever they were meeting and be like oh hell no Uh, you Mm -hmm. know many of us you know gay straight and it really doesn't matter we've had we've had those experiences um mm-hmm. we've had the experiences of i know i did an experiment um not long into losing my sight uh on the same on the same exact app um you know and i you know had a certain number um or percentage let's say of of hits so to speak mm-hmm. um being who i am and uh I wanted to know what it would be like if I, if I put, um, you know, that I was blind right there in the profile. And when I tell you that it went from, you know, 10 to 15 hits, you know, whenever I was on to literally one hit or two hits, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) every couple of days. um, I mean, it was that drastic of a difference. And, you know, I, I kind of felt at that point, like, wow you know i i knew you know as by reputation that we're kind of shallow you know in <laughs> in the, the dating aspects um but wow you know wow yeah it's um, a it's a,
8: it's it's definitely a huge difference like um like i think i i think i've shared with franco but you know cuz like you know we would swap stories sometimes about how like the weirdest dates that we've had or whatever and i always tell franco i remember this one time it was very, very weird, but you know, some there's fetishes for everything. And I'm I remember this one person messaged me and was like, "Oh, I think it's so hot because like blind people, you guys like to touch everything, right? Everywhere, everything. Like, what oh, is God. that about? Like, wouldn't anybody like? To, I don't understand how that's really specific. And like, I had a friend. Remember our friend who is an MPT? Remember she was saying mm-hmm. that even people. Like for her, you know what I mean? Like people would have fetishes for that. Like, oh, that's so hot. You're happy to like, that's weird. But hey, everything, you know what I mean? You, there's different things for everyone. So, but yeah, very true about that. I, I, I can say I, on my profiles for that when back then, you know, even before I met Franco, I, I never really put it on there, but I, I do know that maybe that's not being honest in a way, but the way I feel like sometimes when it came to that was kind of like a job interview, (laughs) you know what I mean? You know? So, I mean, if you can't do it, then why even try and say anything in the beginning first, if you know that you can, I mean, if you feel that you've talked to the person enough, then maybe you could, you know what I mean? Maybe you do feel comfortable enough to share with that person, but maybe you really like the person and you're really worried about how they're going to react. And I, as much I know, people will say, "Well, that that's still lying, you know, to them." Or, not really, not if you asked, or, or or not if you told them, you know, or or maybe they did ask and you didn't say anything about that, you know, on there.
1: No, I was going to ask Franco, what was your initial, uh, you know, thought process? You you know, you hung up the phone after having that conversation where it was fully disclosed, and it's like, "Hey, my dog is a guide dog," and. You know, I kind of have this going on, but I really like you. Um, and, You know, I'm paraphrasing for what I think the conversation probably went like. But, <laughs> you know, once you, you know, once you got a moment to digest it, did you have any um, questions or, or, you know, possible concerns that, hey, you know, I do really like this guy, but maybe this is not exactly what I was, you know, looking for?
0: You know, honestly, I mean, I... I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just to some aspect there's a part of me that isn't that shallow or that that um, <laughs> superficial, you know what I mean? And, and I'm not saying it would have probably been different with another visually impaired or, or total blind person. I don't know. I really don't know. But, you know, like I said, the way Mark presents himself is not – it like for me, he is not about his blindness. Let's put it that way. I mean, when he did tell me that I was just like, okay, I guess my, I, maybe I may have asked him like, he did. D- are, are you, are you mobile? Do you, are, do you need any assistance? Do you, yeah, need, do you, yeah, are yeah. you dependent on, you mm-hmm. know, and of course Mark said like, absolutely not. And, and, and it could have gone the other way. I mean, he could have said absolutely not. And I would have dated him for a while. And then he was like, can you do this? Can you do that? Can you do this? Then we would have had problems, but And I'm not saying that that's necessarily, you know, the deal breaker, but because Mark really showed me, you know, that he didn't allow his blindness or limited vision to pretty much um, dictate how he lived, you know, Um, and plus I got a dog out of it too. So <laughs>
8: <laughs> I've always wanted
0: the dogs as a kid. But Anyways, I,
8: I think that was the sealed the deal when I I know, Kobe. and Col-
0: Kobe was yeah. definitely like I I you know, I will never forget the first time I met Kobe, you know, to get off topic, but it, it it was just something else. You know, aside from meeting his dad, his owner, it was something else. But you know, Anthony, honestly, I I didn't look at that as an issue for me. I I it was just, you know, and again, when Mark told me that at Starbucks you know, at this outlet mall, outdoor outlet mall, I didn't say, Oh God, what am I getting myself into? And, you know. Well, um, another
8: thing to think about too, is that you've never had pets before. I mean, you, you knew people that pets, maybe you had a a family member, right. That mm-hmm. had pets, but you never, you never had a, you know what I mean? Like in proximity of somebody that we were close enough that really had a dog that would be a really big part of, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Both of, well, yeah,
0: yeah. So, so you know, aside aside from the owner, you know, you fell in love twice. Basically. I fell in love yeah. twice. Yeah, it literally. Yeah, came, I mean, it was like it was like almost in a way, Anthony. I want to say it's almost like the perfect package, because not only you know do I have you know the some, the uh, somewhat perfect man <laughs> um no but i also had the dog that i had always wanted and yes i wanted you know english bulldogs or a chihuahua when i was but you know what again kobe also just like his dad you know proved himself that you know it, it was it was just perfect it was you know this is how you know it's always been
1: all right, so you didn't get quite the Christmas you would have liked for a brand new relationship. Did Mark find a way to make it up for you? Make it up to you for Valentine's Day?
0: I no, I think we probably just went out. I think that's what we just did. But well, if, if you're talking about other things, yes, but we've got that taken care of right that same night. You know that what I went to go pick him up. So if that's what you're talking about, yes, did but,
8: but 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 we also. <laughs> You know, we, even after my long trip, even after that first, I remember we went to Vegas. Because his favorite places to go to is Vegas.
0: No, we didn't go like, to Vegas until after you came back. I don't. No, think we, no, that's we, what
8: I'm saying. After we came yeah, back, yeah, yeah. like you know, we, we, we you know, I mean, I don't think he,
0: in terms of like having to make up. I mean, again, maybe Anthony, I'm just not, I'm not a, romance me and I'm gonna swoon or something like that. Of course, I think it's sweet, but I think that I was just so happy he came back and that he was there in front of me versus on the phone or in, you know, back then, what is it, FaceTime, <laughs> now it's Zoom. But, you know, it's just, I, I don't, I don't, I think we just did the normal thing for Valentine's. We probably watched a movie and had dinner and, When I, and, I, I yeah. know usually
8: we used to do the movies a lot. So, you know, have dinner. Go yeah, to the movie.
0: probably just that. But yeah. as far as when he came back, yeah, I mean, definitely, I went to pick him up, and we. St- I was living with my uh, best friend at the time, but, you know, my best friend, you know, really liked Mark anyway. So he's like, yeah, he can stay here and sleep here. And I was like, well, it's not like you have a choice. He's going to sleep here anyways.
1: And then moving yeah. in, sure that was a yeah. really big step mm-hmm.
0: too. Yeah, so, and then, yeah. yeah.
1: So, So you you mentioned your best friend, you know, your the rest of your friends and family, was there any interesting introductions along the way or did it all go pretty smoothly? You know,
0: I when I told my best friends that, you know, that he was visually impaired, I mean, I think just like any other friends, you know, they'd be like, okay, are you okay with that? You know, and I think as long, because I didn't have a problem with it, they didn't really look at it as an issue. And in the same aspects as with my family, like, you know, obviously when it got really serious and it got to the point where, you know, Mark and I were moving into not just moving in with each other, but also at the point where I was engaged, I announced it on Facebook and, you know, everybody knew that I was dating him for a while, you know, and then when the big day came, everybody was there and whatnot. I don't think it was really an issue for them because again, I think my family looks at people for who they are, not necessarily what they, you know, um, how they physically appear or, you know, um, but, I could be wrong, but I mean, I, the only thing is I, I tell him, you know, my mom passed away back in to, uh, October, 2009, you know, my mom was very, um, she kind of always wanted the best for me, I guess, in the sense that, you know, she wanted to make sure if I was going to end up with somebody that they would have a lot of money and, you know, just like, that's all I'm saying. But I, I only tell Mark that I think that if my mom was alive when we first started dating and then possibly when we got engaged, my mom might've had a little bit of reservation because knowing her, she'd be like, well, are you, are you, you know, she'd be like, are you supporting him? Are you, you know, is, is he even working? What is he, you know, you just, I guess a typical mom, Mm -hmm. I think that she may have had may have had, or would have had reservations had she been alive and been able to meet him. But I think that because my mom and I are so much alike, in that aspect where, you know, it's kind of like, well, I, I don't really care, mom. I mean, this is kind of who I love. This is who I'm going to be with for the rest of my life. There's really nothing you can do. Uh, You know, it's, um, kind of like, I just, I just tell Mark that like in terms of, because, you know, watching his dynamics with his parents and then, you know, I'm telling him about my dynamics with my mom and even my dad, my dad's already, you know, met Mark via zoom and, or was a messenger. Yeah. And, you know no issues there whatever and it's just my mom being my mom she's just very like well how much money does he make and uh, you know what does he do (laughs) for a living you know she's getting her Filipino Filipino accent. accent you know and things like that but I think that you know I don't think there was any kind of sort of talk or backlash
1: from anybody that I knew of you know um so then i ask all my couples so mm-hmm. tell us about the proposal
0: oh, oh yeah <laughs> okay i'll tell it but i'm not the one that proposed I,
6: I'll tell that's um, even
0: better go on <laughs> so, so how it happened was you know it was christmas 2015 mm-hmm. um and basically it, he
5: loves christmas
0: yeah christmas is my, my my all-time favorite holiday and um just any holiday but anyways um how it happened was you know you're getting each other christmas gifts and you're like oh well what did you get me and you know mark's like i'm not telling you and then he, he's like well, what did you get me i'm like well i'm not telling you <laughs> and finally i kind of i think i bugged him too much and we were at home and i think we had either finished dinner or we went out and had just got home or whatever just
8: got back yeah and so it's a nice thing
0: i was just like well what what is my gift and he's like Okay. You really want to know? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, it's something you've always really, really wanted. Um, and I was like, what? That's a lot of things, (laughs) you know? And, um, so finally he's like, okay, stand right here. And he like, he made me stand right next to the Christmas tree. And then he said, close your eyes. And I said, Oh, cool. cool. I was thinking, I was like, Oh, it's going to be something big. It's going to be, you know, and then he said, he said, but put your, but put your hands out. Like, you know, uh, Face, face palm down, or the, facing the palms down. And I was like, that's kind of odd. And he, he actually had, I think instead of a bandana around my eyes, he put paper towel. And he <laughs> said, don't hold these there and don't look. And I said, okay. So when he I, said- I
8: had to position myself to make sure not to run into the tree or knock the tree over. <laughs> so it took me a few moments to get all situated to make sure I was well, in the right place.
0: And so finally he said, okay, now open your eyes. And when I- you know, took the paper towel off and then I opened my eyes. He was there in front of me kneeling and he says, Franco, will you, you will you marry me? And then of course I was like a little bit speechless and I was kind of like, damn, I was hoping for something else. <laughs> no, but, no, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. But regardless, I mean, the rest is history. Of course I said yes. And yeah, that's how, you know, our proposal went.
8: And then we, we,
0: that was December 15th. 15... Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then
8: uh, the following, remember we 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 actually got married in the court following year. Yeah,
0: December twenty third, yeah, two thousand sixteen. We, we
8: wanted to make sure to got to get married before anything got repealed. A- a- anything got repealed in 2016.
0: because because that's when, of course, you know Donald Trump was <laughs> and Hillary Clinton, and then we just wanted it before you know Prop Eight and of course became the the rule of the land or law of the land.
8: We did want to. A, a, a nice wedding, which we did have the mm-hmm. year afterward, mm-hmm. but we wanted to make sure to make it official first before any changes and happen. And do all the paperwork
0: yeah. and, you know, just in case they were to say any marriages prior to 2016 16 or, in court and filed with the courts, whatever, is valid. 16, and anything, yeah. you know, we yeah. were just, I, I we just wanted to make sure. We didn't want it to be where it's like you know, anything after 2017, they were going to try to repeal it. And then it was kind of like December 23rd, 2016, was mm-hmm. just a day for us to lock it down, put it all on paper.
8: We had a and, small family. Yeah, we, there. his
0: mom was there. His sister was there. And our friends, Marina and George, were there. Um, and, and then we went out to dinner a little bit after. And then, you know, come January 2017, was literally like, the year that we were both stressing because we knew that we wanted to have the big version of this wedding come up and you know, the whole, yeah. And we did, we did it uh, November 3rd, 2017. So we have like two wedding dates. Yeah.
8: Technically it's two wedding dates.
0: (laughs) Official uh, is December 23 and the one that's kind of with family and friends is November
1: 3rd. Aw. And you know, our community has had a long struggle to get to where, you know, to where you guys were able to do it. So mm-hmm. God bless and and I definitely understand the urgency to to be on paper and be on the books. Mm-hmm. At that point in time, I wasn't yeah. in any kind of space to be anything like that. But, you know, I know a lot of friends who also felt the same way and and were really, you know, worried that we finally got to this stage where it's it's valid and it's, you know, and in a blink of an eye it could be taken away again you know it feels especially right now it feels like even though even though we got there there's still so much saying like it's not the same it's not you know as worthy et etc cetera, et cetera. so not to get all political and everything but you know through you guys have been married for a couple of years now and is it still a worry for you guys do you still have to defend you know your your actual marriage your actual couple them
0: well i don't know if we're actually defending i think it's more like we're trying to I think... figure out a label for it because even in terms of like you know i'm not comfortable telling people oh my husband um unless it's like obviously like friends and family or something like that but if it's someone that like even at work i don't even refer to mark as you know or not we oh, say my spouse. work and you know doctor's office earlier we were we we just came from the doctor's office earlier (laughs) and yeah i said oh i had my spouse my spouse is you know waiting in the the lobby you know so it's i don't think as much as the labeling of it as much as it is difficult trying to acknowledge it i I, I think
8: i i think one of the biggest things though too anthony is the uncertainty about certain things you know what i mean like even though things are kind of like safe at the moment you know what i mean like they're they're standing still but you just never know when the carpet's going to be pulled out you know what i mean like as you know little things here and there you know you, you just don't know you don't know what to be prepared for so uh, you know it's kind of like holding your breath in a way a little bit at least that's how i feel you know because you, you just wonder what's going to happen next you know that's all but i i think we I mean, we have enjoyed the benefits of, of that, you know what I mean? Being a couple and being married for, you know, the last couple of years. And, and, you know, we look forward to many more years with that, so.
1: God bless. Absolutely. So how about your interaction with BPI and ACV? Were, uh, were your BPI friends shocked when uh, they found out that you were getting married?
8: I think some of them were. I think some of them were because we remember conventions, how fun conventions were, you know, like when uh, we were in Vegas and we did, you know, bar hopping and stuff like that. So much fun, you know, and now with the married life, it's a little different, not necessarily saying that we can't have fun because remember we, we, when we went to New York and we went to Denver, that was a lot of fun as well, you know, and everything is a different, yeah, it's definitely (laughs) a different kind of fun, you know, and everything. But um, I, I do miss, I mean, I could, I could seriously say that since probably since 2012, maybe, um, I haven't attended any convention, any national conventions. It's been, it's definitely been many years <laughs> since I've attended a, a national convention on there on that. So that was, uh, I, I do miss the the whole camaraderie of being together and being able just to, you know, um you know, hang out with friends or being able to, to meet people again. Because, I mean, a lot of those people I've known for a long time, you know, or communicated with, but maybe not necessarily saw in person or anything like that for a long time. And and I remember meeting, you know, uh, even people for the first time in BPI and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I would say that. And, it, you know, that's one thing I hope later on that Franco would be able to participate in. And, and you know, we before the whole pandemic, we talked about, Phoenix. You know, we knew Phoenix was coming up. We we definitely couldn't make it to the past convention originally that was planned out in Chicago, but we were definitely looking forward to Phoenix, and we hope that, you know, things are well enough for things to happen. Well, we'll see, <laughs> but, you know, we're hoping yeah. that things will happen so that, that Franco could be participate not just virtually, but also in person, too, and meet everybody, so...
1: Well, I definitely got um y- you know, the pleasure and the the uh the honor of meeting both of you for the first time in Denver and that was an amazing experience, um, all around. The camaraderie, getting uh getting the feel of what you know, what it's like to be around the group and, and um honestly, my first convention was in July. Uh that was my first experience with a lot of a lot of blind people all together in one space. And oh. but The Denver experience was, you know, more intimate and Mm -hmm. really realizing, you know, in convention, I did all of, you know, seminars and all the BPI events, but I didn't go out really anywhere except to the dinosaur barbecue. Um, Mm -hmm. But in Denver, I mean, we did high tea and we were all over the place. We went to a burlesque show that, you know, was Mm -hmm. basically audio described to us by Franco. Thank (laughs) you so much. (laughs) But it was it was amazing to you know to experience all of that with a group of people that you know all really care about each other and really just want to have a good time and, and be supportive of each other. What is the best thing about being married?
8: I think having someone to come home to or to be home with, someone to be able to share. Um, you know what I mean? Even just your your thoughts or things that are on your mind. And I mean, there's you know like it's just nice to have to be a part of i don't know what i mean another person having them there with you so at least that's how i how i feel no
0: i mean I, i think that there definitely is a different um feeling of it because it's not just you're in a relationship with this person it's like you know this person is is your life it's your other half it's yeah, you know, it's it's different. It's just a it's it's a different feeling. I don't know if it's because you want to look at it as a Mister and Mister situation, or if it's just the person you put as your emergency contact because that's your spouse. It's just a very different feeling. I think that it it really, for me, in a way, it comes full circle because you do your whole year or your your past years of you know you're dating randomly you're hooking up randomly then you settle in with the relationship you break up you find a new person and it's just this like kind of like this weird cycle and when you meet that person that becomes your your spouse your life partner it's it's just it's a very different feeling it you know it, it's i don't know it's 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 um it's weird it's just you know it's a good feeling it's just You know, it's not a feeling like you can feel with anything else. I mean, it's just different because now it's almost like your titles, your being is now one Mm -hmm. and then it's cemented under that title husband and husband or Mr. and Mr. or that is my spouse. You know,
8: I was going to say that I think sometimes people feel that they they're in a rush to find somebody, you know, and I've always said, you know, uh, even when during the time I met Franco, I I didn't even think at that time that I would find somebody I knew that there was something special about them but I didn't you know what I mean I didn't know but I'm glad you know what I mean that that happens and I know it sounds cliche to say that oh you know you don't know until you meet them but it's, it's so true you really you really don't so you know it's it's important for you to enjoy those moments and really pay attention to the, some of those moments when you do have those feelings or feel something special about somebody. And, how I felt about friends. Well,
0: and I think we kind of like went like steam ahead. Like we really went steam like full power because we didn't, you know, some relationships you last for so long and then you break up or even sometimes you're not that long. You break up, you get back together, you break up, you get back together. But Mark and yeah. I have always been at this steady pace where, you know, we started dating, then we, we both made it official per se. Uh, we moved in together and then, you know, got the proposal, then got married and, you
1: know, all that. Got t- married <laughs> again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, all, exactly. And all that we're, we're actually now in line for is where, you know, the kids and then, you know, obviously getting new dogs, dog, dogs, you know. So it's kind of always fallen in place for us. It's never been jumbled all around and then, go in this direction go in that direction it's always been kind of very systemic it's just been very like you know uh how would you say it's kind of like traditional i guess you know but
7: also
8: in a way it's not because i mean you and i do communicate about like where we want to go what's next in our you know what i mean our Mm -hmm. stuff like right now you know we moved into a new place and we're without you know after losing kobe my guide dog kobe you know our dog you know kobe and mm-hmm. what's next and then you know our next step also is to also get start off with having a foster child or foster children and then after that would be adopting a child so you know we're working on those steps those steps are always slow it's not some of these things are not always planned out but it's always good to communicate and talk to, you know what i mean like how we do and talk about them you mm-hmm. know and plan it out so
1: that's really beautiful thank you for thank you for sharing you know it's a really intimate thing between two people to decide, you know, that they want to, you know, be parents and, and to, to build a family together. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so glad you shared it on the show because I really want everyone in ACB to understand that, you know, our relationships are, are on par. I don't like to say just like theirs, mm-hmm. um, but on par, you know, and mm-hmm. the traditional is beautiful, whether it be two women a man and a woman or two men mm-hmm. and the ones that aren't traditional are beautiful too. Once, you know, once we find that person that makes us a better person inside just by wanting to be better for that person, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So I like to have a little bit of fun with my couples and yeah. hopefully you guys won't mind, you know, <laughs> <laughs> getting a little <laughs> cheeky. Um, you know, I always usually ask. You know, who's the better cook? Um, so let's start <laughs> with that one. Who's the better cook? Who does more of the chores? Um. Well,
0: <laughs> well you. you I'm, I'm, because I... I'm gonna answer this one, okay? Because <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't. I don't know if it's my nature to be very caring, um, or nurturing, or you know, mommy like, mother like, whatever. But I, you know. Again, bringing up the point where Mark is very independent, he's very, you know, self-sufficient, but there's a part of me that wants to make sure he's taken care of. So if you're asking who's the better cook, I don't really give Mark a chance to cook because <laughs> I'm, af- I'm afraid that, you know, I, you know. of course I have to, you know, if
8: he, he, he makes I think the only thing I've had that made, right? Was, yeah, French, was toast. French toast. And- So I think he's allowed me to make
0: Yes, so you know. Um, I I do give him the big uh, duty of making rice though, and he makes good <laughs> rice. Um, but as 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 far as the cook, it, it would be me.
8: And you love Filipino food.
0: Yeah, so, that's so what, I, I you know, and then I I cook other things, but Yay! at the same time, yeah. it's um you know I'm more of the cooking in our family, and you know the chores is 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 kind of more or less the both of us, I guess. Mm -hmm. would you what would you think it's the both of us Mm -hmm. mark likes to mop though i'm more like no you don't need to mop. (laughs) just sweep just sweep you don't need to mop but yeah i think that you know i guess in that aspect we're both you know it's both the chores is both but the cook for sure is me
1: so i'll ask each of you what TV show or music or something does the other one love that you're like oh god not again because
8: <laughs> <laughs> there's there's one that I love that he just you know. well no you uh, you should tell him
0: about my like you tell him what <laughs> what I love and that gets on your nerves well go ahead well you you first me first yeah I don't well for me it's I guess I don't know I want to say like the Star Trek because that's not my thing I mean you know. But um, mm, Mark and I do have different tastes in music. Um, he doesn't like, you know, Britney Spears or Kylie Minogue. He doesn't like, the, you know, those.
1: That you don't people. like Kylie? Sorry, know. No, no not that I don't hosting.
8: like Kylie. <laughs> so he, he has been having that latest song on, on repeat for the last couple of.
0: Her new song. Her, her new song. New song. Yeah, on,
8: on, on repeat for the last couple of uh, weeks. So, or last couple of days, probably.
0: Yeah. So, um. <laughs> I, I think that if anything, like, that you... Well,
8: we do, like, some, like, we, used to, there are, when it comes to show, when it comes to shows or movies, I would think that, you know, like, I'm, I'm more, you know, so science 15. fiction type thing, and... Franco's more like reality, like you like your your my real, house your real housewives, yeah. and you know, and and he, you know, while he's watching his show, sometimes they do make little comments like, "Oh my and god," I to, <laughs> like, you know, and I, I have a little
4: column, "Can you
0: shut up?"
8: Because little commentary in the background, it's
0: so annoying because I'm like, you know, he, he'll like make up like dialogue that this doesn't make sense, like, "Oh, look at me, I have all this money," and blah 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 blah, and I'm like, "Can you shut?" up? <laughs>
8: So we do have fun. We do have, I, I think one of the things that we do enjoy watching together for sure is Golden Girls. Frankel loves to watch them over and over and over again. I can and, watch and, every episode. I, I swear, we watched it so much. There are actually some shows that I, and some scenes I, I was like, I don't remember watching that. But as a kid, I remember watching them when growing up. But, but since we've watched them so many times, I swear there's been a few scenes in there. I'm like, oh, I don't remember that.
1: So mm-hmm. So which Golden Girl are you?
8: Oh,
0: that's a good question. Oh, God.
8: I think when, of course,
0: when you're single, I think that, of course, you're always going (laughs) to be bland, you You know,
8: but I think as I've got more Dorothy. I think I would be more, I think sometimes
0: like as I get older, I don't know, I either tend to be Sophia or a little bit of Rose.
8: (laughs) (laughs) I, I think it's a mixture of both for me. I would say I'm more of a Dorothy, but I, I think Franco Franco actually likes Blanche a lot, so that's nothing wrong with saying that. Yeah.
0: Well, just like if you're gonna ask me like in Sex in the City, which one do you think you I are? Know, exactly. I'd be like Samantha. Samantha
1: <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, I think I got monogamy. I'm missing that one of you. <people. laughs> actually,
8: <laughs> actually the, our, our I think the favorite scene that crack up about it was the scene with her with the doctor asking all of the questions, the health questions. Mm -hmm. Like, how many minutes have you been?
0: Hmm. And then she takes a pause and she's like, I'm counting.
8: (laughs) This month? (laughs) You know,
0: and then she's like, um, this year? (laughs) So, So, yeah. Yeah.
6: Yeah.
0: You know, that show show and Golden Girls, for me, never gets old. I can watch, you know, Sex and the City, like, as many times. The movie and the, the actual series. And,
1: you know, uh, yeah. I mean, so we've done some fun. Now I'm going to ask what about the other person has made you better in yourself? Or what have you learned, I'm sorry, from the other person that has made you better in yourself? And we'll start with Mark.
8: I would say that I, I guess in a way my self-confidence about being confident and being able to be myself you know what i mean out there in public like not having to feel like you know so nervous about having to maybe hide the cane sometimes or whatever you know what i mean or acting like i'm i could see some when i really probably can't see whatever it is on there on that that's 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 what i would say about myself so
1: and how about you Frankel?
0: um i it's more or less i think something that i'm still working on with mark because um you know, he always wants me to communicate and to express <laughs> how I'm feeling. And, you know, it's sometimes for me, it's it's still a difficult thing because, again, it's it, it all comes from my nature with the way that my mom and I were. Like, you know, I'm really, you know, um, a, a lot like her, you know, very um, stubborn. I'm very, you know, uh, I keep to myself in terms of sometimes I bottle up things So I think what I'm learning from Mark is how to sometimes let stuff go. It's really hard for me. So sometimes I just, instead of me kind of having these outbursts or whatever, I just keep to myself, but Mark really wants to get it out of me sometimes. So he'll like annoy the hell out of me. And, you know, and I'm just, I guess learning to control.
8: Or just communicate.
0: Well, communicate. Like
8: I said, I'm still working on like that. Like you said, but. let it go, too. You know, mm-hmm. some, Sometimes that's hard. I, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, but, yeah, I, I, I see that.
1: But, yeah. So I'm really going to put you guys on the spot and do something I haven't done with any other oh couple God. yet before we finish up this <laughs> evening. Um, what is one thing you've always wanted to tell Mark? And then, Mark, one thing you've always wanted to tell Franco?
0: Oh, my God. Now you really put me on the spot because I don't even, I, God, I don't know. Um, <laughs> God, I wish you could drive.
6: <laughs> um, I, I tell him that all the time. Um,
0: no, um, I, 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 I don't really know because I mean, I, I would like to think that there's nothing that I, I've hidden or that I have um, not discussed with him already. I don't know. <laughs> That's kind. Of, yeah, that's a, that's a hard one. So How about you, Mark? Mark? Mark has a smirk on his face. <laughs> off. You know, he
3: has a. Smirk, <laughs> so I always smirk.
8: tease. I always tease Franco about allowing me to drive the car a little bit. You know, and um, we had we used to have a Lexus RX, and um, he had gone to the store to get um, <laughs> to get something, and I had actually reversed the car and pulled back up again. <laughs> just to see what it, was, what it was like. But I'm just saying it's, um, that's all I wanted to tell you actually. Oh, but we have a car now, so that's okay, nothing happened, so that was a good
1: thing. Well so, then I can't leave you Franco, you, you have to take him to a mall parking lot at like yeah. two o'clock in the morning and just drive a little bit.
0: Yeah, he, he <laughs> wants to, but then for me, a part of me is like, well, I mean, it's not like you can actually like, well, you won't be able to drive us home, so that means I, so this is, you know, I mean, I could, I could, I could, I could give him a little lesson, but I don't know oh. Anthony I'm a little bit I'm a little bit scared I'm gonna be like, there's <laughs> someone coming towards us Mark and he's gonna be like what do you want me to do <laughs> well can you take your foot
2: off the gas pedal <laughs> woman with a baby carriage
1: woman with a baby
2: yeah. carriage <laughs> so, I
8: mean, no but I mean I know it's nothing exciting to tell the part but I mean that's just one thing I've always wanted I mean I've had friends who have let me drive their cars, but I just thought that that would be interesting to tell you. Cause I, I don't think I've told you that.
0: Oh, he does. He, he, he does tell me he, he jokes about it, but you know, the seriousness of it, I, I guess it's, it's, more serious than I had really thought. I thought he was just joking about it. Because sometimes he'll even say it in front of my friends, and he'll be like, like if, I, if we're all in the car, and I'm like, God, I'm so tired from that meal, or I'm so full, he'll be like, oh, let me drive home. And then we're all kind of just like, ah,
8: you know? But I mean, I didn't know it was really
0: real. Like He really wants to drive home. And he always teases to you, Anthony. He says, don't worry about it. I have a shortcut.
6: <laughs> <laughs> I'm like,
1: yeah, I'm sure you do. But the funny
8: part is, most of the time we do drive, it's at nighttime. So that's
1: the time I wouldn't be able to drive anyway. So that doesn't matter. <laughs> See, whenever I say that, I say, but I have the best pair of eyes. But what going to sit shotgun, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just thought <clears throat> of the perfect way to end this segment it's um a little what is it one day over a month until your anniversary. So what are you getting each other?
8: <laughs> uh-huh. You know, we've been because of the since the pandemic, we've just been home so much. It, I I think hopefully ho- one of the things we did like to do together for sure was go out to have a nice meal. We used and to just... always have like you
0: know date night. Date night, night. Um, yeah. We would ha- we would go uh-huh. grab dinner somewhere and just watch a movie, mm-hmm. but. It's just been so difficult, you know, and you can't do that. It's hard to even do it at home because, to be honest, I think our attention span is really low because, you know, we're watching a movie and then suddenly our watches will vibrate or something. And then we'll kind of start looking at our phones or, you know, I'll get up and go do some, you know, I'll go get it. It's just it's not the same you know, yeah. um, we celebrate every 18th of every month because that is technically when, you know, Mark, well, we, we became an item, you know, um, in the first place. But it's hard, you know, with the pandemic to do anything meaningful um, or as special as, you know, a date night, you know, um, so I don't. I don't even know. I mean, this this November third will be our three year mm-hmm. anniversary. Yeah, uh, we usually
8: uh, go to our hotel and stay there yes, overnight. We stayed there and have yeah. dinner. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, the second year we, we went
0: there and mm-hmm. um, or was it our first? Birthday? I don't even
8: think our, that hotel is open uh, at this time too, as well. Yeah. There, so, so yeah,
0: it, that that's probably. <laughs> Unfortunately, with the times, it's hard for us to do anything.
8: But we, we feel that, you know, we're, we are really happy about being able to spend as much time. I know that probably would drive some couples crazy, but, you know, uh, between work and, and I even go to school, there, sometimes we don't have a lot of time. So it's really nice when we do. So we're enjoying what we can while with all of this. So And we can't wait for our next one, but we're not sure yet what we're going to do. But I'm sure we'll do something, hopefully. Mm.
1: <laughs> We'll see how it goes. Well, Mark and Franco, I would like to thank you so much for coming on to Sunday Edition. I am sure that plenty of the listeners are applauding and hoping that you come up with something amazing for November 3rd. <laughs>
8: Maybe I'll ask you... <laughs> send us ideas or email
1: no
4: <laughs> you, them can
1: <laughs> you can send ideas to the show email which is here at the end of the show and I will pass them along Mark and Franco thank you so much for joining me oh, thank you, everybody thank you. have a great rest of your Sunday and I will be back again next week with an awesome show happy Sunday you've been listening to Sunday edition with Anthony on ACB Radio Mainstream. For more information, questions, comments, feedback, suggestions, etc., please email CelebrationAC. That's the word Celebration with the letters AC at AOL.com. Look forward to hearing from you, and let's brunch again next Sunday.